Welcome to Damn It Vince. Uh, welcome back to any loyal listeners and welcome to any new listeners. I'm Ellis. I've got my co-host with me here today. Hello, I'm Joe. Hello. Hello, Butchback. Two weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Two in a row for the first time. Like yeah. So uh, follow us on at Damn It Vince Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And this week where we we got a like didn't we from somebody that made us we got two likes. lose our breath yeah. for quite a little while we've we've, we've we've gone above Danhausen and we've now been liked by Matt Hardy twice so that's I mean that's it now we can pack this in that's that's all I've ever wanted that's it, so this will be the last ever show <laughs> no yeah we've peaked going higher than that one. Like, I don't know the Rock. That's, that's where the next level up is, isn't it, now, from there? Yeah, I think that's quite a few levels up, possibly, yeah. going up there. God, yeah, if we make it that high. This week, we, we've got quite a lot of news this week. Last week, we were, we were scrambling around to try and find stuff that had happened in the week. Uh, so we've got a lot, a lot to kind of go through this week. Obviously, we've got the fallout from Full Gear, but there's been a lot of other stuff this week as well. We've all got different highlights of the week, not all of them from Full Gear as well. There's been a late change from Butcher look forward to and as we've posted out on the socials we're, we're going to do a bit of an eddie special because when you, when this drops on saturday that the friday before friday the 13th of november is 15 years since eddie's passing and we thought it would be quite nice to just do a little tribute to him and our memories of him from watching him and the impact he's had on wrestlers then and even to this day. And that is, that's the show for this week. So we're kicking off with the news. Full gear. Let's start with that one and the fallout. So what did we make of the show? Oh my Lord. That was the pay-per-view that, I think that's probably pay-per-view of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, it came out of the gates, definitely. kicking and screaming, in an order that I wasn't expecting at all. I didn't think they were going to go with Omega and Page straight out of the gate, but there we went. Absolute barnstormer of a match. And then it just sort of went up and even... She and Nyla Rose thing that we were all sort of poo-pooing a little bit last week was genuinely a good match. There wasn't a wasted match in there. Everything felt like it should have been in there. And it was under four hours, which I was thankful for because although I did fall asleep and missed it all, so I had to watch it on catch up. Neither of you made the live show. I was like sat there by myself on Zoom. I had a very long Dungeons and Dragons session beforehand and yeah, I just wasn't feeling it. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even make the buy-in. It's... Poor showing from me. But we now have a new TNT champion that everyone predicted correctly, even with my change of heart. Just, just I just squeaked him on the line there, didn't I? Uh, so I'm about to be our list of TNT champion. We have new tag team champions in the Young Bucks, who, again, I think Ellis wants to talk about that a bit later. And we have Omega as um, the number one contender for John Moxley's title after Moxley. I mean, that. Again, if I could have done, I would have put basically the whole pay-per-view as my highlight of the week. Yeah, it was an awesome pay-per-view. I mean, I, I was I was watching it live with my friend John. Thankfully, someone was awake to <laughs> watch it on with Zoom with. And we were like both like, oh, on the barbed wire from the hand. We were both wincing around like, oh my God, this is... It's what you expected, but still, when you're watching it, it's not always the most comfortable to watch, but it was good. And I, I thought, I've watched it because you guys keep going on about it. And I did used to watch it myself, but it's just time. I watched BTE this week, and I thought Eddie Kingston's little bit on there was it was superb, really. Uh, again, showing his character work and promo work that he does. Also, Butcher getting his wish, though, of the fall and fall of Adam Page as well. Oh, yeah. He's going to go low. 
it's it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be good because even at the end of ETE where he just was like yeah fuck me basically nobody else wants me why would yeah and I was like this is like for a thing that's they've just spent half an hour playing crocodile golf this is quite hard hitting you know what I mean it's, it was very it's peaks and troughs with that program. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was actually um, one of my favourite bits of full gear was Kenny had come out to celebrate with the Bucks after winning the title and Paige was just stood in the tunnel. Literally in the shadows. Yeah, just watching them celebrate. And I thought that was a really nice yeah, when, I, I, when I watched it back, what I didn't clock at the time was I think JR goes to literally say, oh, Adam Page is in the tunnel. And as he starts talking, like Excalibur just cuts him off completely. Like, we're not meant to mention it. And then they do the replay, and obviously then it's the match has ended and the segment's over, and it goes to the commentators and Tony Schiavone's like, was was somebody lurking in the shadows there? And then that's it. And I was like, yeah, that's obviously they weren't meant to mention he was there, but it was I missed it. I missed it at the time. The more I watch, the more I think Jr. should just retire. Yeah. <laughs> So, it's becoming embarrassing this week. He was just talking about random things that were not associated with it. It is for nostalgia purposes. It's great to see him there. Wheel him out for pay per views, but yeah, we don't need him full time now. Um, one one little highlight of Full Gear that I don't, I haven't really seen mentioned anywhere was uh, Cesaro made his AEW debut in in the video package for Kingston and Moxley. Do you know when they were share, sharing photos? There was one with Cesaro. Oh, yes. Well picked up. Yeah, We've I had, can see that now. Mm, I, it was it was very quick. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've not seen that mentioned anywhere. I've, 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 I found it quite know, funny. Yeah. Unless I've got it wrong, of course, it might not be him, and that's why I've not seen it mentioned. Imagine him on a imagine him on AW. It'd be awesome. Mm. <laughs> it's another story that one. What did we make of Dynamite? Obviously, the Fallout show. Did you notice how it's got all new graphics and that? It kind of felt like it was a reset for me watching the show. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, new storylines going off, but yeah, it just kind of felt like right, the resetting going for this next year now. Well, they took on a lot of new talent since that original sort of cold open, haven't they? And I know they've added to it, but it feels more. I don't know. It felt more shiny this way. It felt more. Excuse me. It felt more more new and more sort of professional looking. The big other big AEW announcement this week, which was the launching of AEW games uh, in a very good, I thought, quite funny press conference. It was a bit hacky, but, you know, but we are now getting a this gen and next gen wrestling game, a general manager mobile game and some sort of casino nonsense. Don't, don't really care about that one, but I am quite excited for both of those two games, though. Yeah, the casino one, it, it was the one that seemed to be, it's going to be coming out soon but had least details about it in the announcement i'm assuming it's just like a blackjack simulator a poker simulator and like slots or something and it'll be i mean obviously it's going to be like pay to play sort of stuff but because a lot of their stuff's branded around gambling double or nothing you know all that sort of stuff it's all it's always the poker chip thing it just i mean i'll give it a look but i probably won't play it but the manager one all on board for that and the wrestling one Yep, especially since they've got the guy who worked on. Oh, it's no mer- no, it's no yeah, mer- no mercy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean those, as I've said previously, those those were the ones that were the most fun. They're the ones that you could pick up, sort of mash buttons, and still fa- have fun with it. And I'd like that. And everyone, everyone's been whinging that the graphics look. It's it's proof of concept. It's not it's not even alpha footage. It's literally they put something together just to show people at that presentation. And it looks like they're going to allow intergender on it if if the, if the footage they showed us is anything to go by. I mean, I wouldn't pin my hopes on it. It is just, 
it's, it's, it's test footage, it's, it's proof of concept, it's it's a theory. Does not feature gameplay footage is what they put, isn't it, on the adverts? Yeah, I did like the presentation, all the Steve Jobs <laughs> lookalikes, and starting it off with his speech. I didn't actually recognise Audrey after. No, I, I had to double take. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, totally she said that I don't just referee in that, but apparently she's had like ten years in in gaming and mobile gaming, hasn't she? So she's actually got a lot literally to bring to the table for that one. I mean, the downside of the game release news is that it, we didn't get the wacky races game though that I think everyone wants. Give it time. Is it, is it Evil Uno tweeted out about it? Oh, we're not getting it. Yeah, oh, yeah, he had a load of other ideas. Uh, survival horror starring him. Dating Sims starring him. Yeah, it's it's. I hope it's good, but we ain't going to see it for a year, two years. If they're building it from the ground up, then it's going to be a long time. And I'm prepared to wait for it, if it's good. No other wrestling games that I'm prepared to play. What's this about um, on, on the news? I saw it, and I was like, I'll, I'll mention this one on the pod rather than ask you before. Cody running for Senate. He released a statement this week saying that he's 35 years old, he reckons he's got five more years in the ring, and then he possibly wants to vote, wants to become either a senator or a governor. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. It's happened before. It'll happen again. We had Jesse Ventura. We had um, the man who was Kane, whose name escapes me at the moment. Glenn Jacobs. Glenn Jacobs. I've been watching a lot of Undertaker stuff, and he's been on a mall, and I still can't. Name doesn't sink in. I think Rhino ran for government as well, didn't he, I think? Hmm. But that went about as well as his career, did it, as well? <laughs> he did, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, Rhino. That, although, I did I did enjoy when Heath and Rhino had the, the little run, and they got tag team champions. Well, they're back together in Impact now. Ah, <sighs> lovely. I, I did, actually, I did see when they met each other backstage, like when they first were on the same show together. And it was, it was a lovely moment. Got to feed his kids, hasn't he? And um, this week you've, you've mentioned there's a, a company that's restarted, Butcher. Yeah, Major League Wrestling is restarting this coming week. Their shows go up on Wednesdays on YouTube. Um, it's not actually a show I've watched much of, but over the last couple of years, it's garnered a really good reputation. It's got like names you'd know in there, like um, Brian Pillman, who's uh, been turning up on Dark and Dynamite. ACH wrestles for them. They've announced Leo Rush is going to be joining them after the break. Their world champion at the moment is um, Jacob Fatu of of the famous Fatu family. Mm-hmm. Nice. And they've like developed good relationships with other companies around the world. I think they've got partnerships in Japan and Mexico and Puerto Rico. So you get other people coming in. I know the Lucha Brothers have performed on on it in the past, and uh, it, they they seem to be using. Like the break has been obviously because of COVID stuff. I think they're going to use this as to be like a bit of a hard restart. I don't think they're like vacating the titles or anything, but I think a lot of the stories are going to be just starting again. Yeah, resetting. Uh, I'm definitely going to be checking it out. I've heard some really good things. They've got other start. Like there's one guy called Alex Hammerstone that I've watched a few clips of. I'd definitely recommend going looking at him. I'm surprised no one's picked him up yet. Yeah, they've got like uh, the Von Erichs tag team as well, and this son of sons of Kevin Von Erich of the original Von Erichs. Um, I, I think I think they were, when FTR originally left WWE, I think they were on their list of teams they wanted to face at some point. Hmm. So there's a lot of talent there that I think it would be worth checking out. 
so I'll be watching. Is that Wednesdays? Maybe not Wednesday. There's a lot of wrestling on Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> Midweek is a, yeah. is a nightmare. I look forward to you talking about it on the pod next, next week. That's something else you've watched this week, Butcher, which will link us nicely into the next segment as well. Yeah. New Japan have announced their lineups for, for three competitions, the Best of the Super Juniors, the World Tag Leagues, and the Super J Junior Cup. Normally the Best of the Super Juniors is much earlier in the year. But because of COVID, they've had to have it later and they're just running it alongside the World Tag League. They're both basically like the G1 Climax, but the Super Juniors is for is essentially their cruiserweight division. Then obviously the other ones for the Tag Leagues, they're both round robins. They normally result in plenty of good matches. And in the Super Juniors, you've got Hiromu Takahashi, which is who's the, the best thing on Japanese wrestling for me is just oozes charisma. Like definitely go out of your way to watch some of his matches in the competition. I think he's probably hands down the favourite to win it as well. And then the other tournament they've announced is the Super J Cup, which is a tournament they have every night. It's just one night of cruiserweights from around the world. We've already mentioned in Major League Wrestling, uh, Leo Rush, he's going to be in this as well. ACH again, I think. TJP, if you've watched any of Impact, Chris Bay from that, he's going to be on it. It's always good. Just this, That's just one night and it's just a showcase of like athletes from around the world and again usually the results in some good matches that's in December sometime that is the other two the Tag League and Best of the Super Juniors start this I think it's Sunday yeah so that's Sunday so it would be well worth checking out both of those hmm. I'll give them a whirl that's good they're getting back up to full speed really aren't they they did take a break didn't they yeah they've had a lot of time out like I say uh, Best of the Super Juniors is normally I, th- I think around springtime but now they're gonna yeah they're running it alongside the World Tag League, so there's a lot of wrestling to cram in between now and uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, start of January now, is that is it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's January fifth this year, I think maybe. Over two nights again. Yes. On to our highlights of the week and nicely linking in. We'll, we'll start with you then, Butcher, considering what you've just been talking about. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, Wrestle Kingdom is a good link to it, isn't it? My match highlight of the week. It I don't want to call it a highlight. To be honest, it it, it was a bit depressing. <laughs> but it, um, it uh, power struggle. Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. They had a fantastic match for the um, the title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. It was up up for grabs. Like they have a briefcase, like the Money in the Bank thing. I think I said the other week when I mentioned the G1 final that it was Ibushi's time to win the tight, the championship and it was going to be his night. It was, it was going to be his crowning night at Wrestle Kingdom this year. And he lost. He lost his title shot. And I was just sat there at like, must have been about midnight last night, just <laughs> wanting to talk to someone about this because I was just I was shocked. And it's it's rare that I actually genuinely get shocked. And then it, it was a fantastic match. Go, I'd go, and, go back and watch it. It's it's brilliant. Jay White is such a good heel. He's he's up there with the best at the moment heels in the world. I think. Am I right in thinking this is the first time that that the case has changed hands? Yeah, first time anyone's ever lost lost the case. I think in fifteen sixteen years since its existence. I was genuinely shocked because I think everyone everyone who follows New Japan was in agreement this was the year Ibushi was gonna win the title. But then, after the main event, which was for the title between uh, Naito and Evil, in a press conference after, Naito challenges Ibushi to a match for the title on the first night, because he doesn't want to face Jay White. <laughs> so Ibushi's getting his title <laughs> shot anyway. <laughs> and yeah. so it's, it was a roller coaster. I was, I was all over the place. Yeah. That's what wrestling's meant to be. 
I think so, but it's fantastic now, really, because you're going into Wrestle Kingdom. It's not just between two people who's going to come out with the title, it's which one of the three. So it, it sets Wrestle Kingdom up to be very exciting. Uh, anytime I've, again, it's one of them time things, but whenever I have watched anything from New Japan, I've always been impressed. Right, the the in, in, in room work is it's fantastic, it's, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Some of the stuff they do. Yeah, sometimes it's a bit uh, uh, uncomfortable watching some of the neck bumps they do, but other than that, it's incredible. It, 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 it is fantastic. Just it, your average every weekly show is just always full of amazing matches. They, they don't um, hold back. No, they don't. I remember after when Jericho had gone over first time, uh, was it Omega his first match that he had there? And it, he's, he talked about taking his first, it might have, I think it was. Uh, whatever match he was in, he's talking about taking his first table bump. And he's like, the tables are so much thicker. Like he said, it hurts <laughs> so much. He's used to these thin little tables that like break <laughs> for nothing. And they're thick, man. That power struggle, actually. There was one of the matches, Suzuki versus Tagaki, that either Suzuki was doing some of the best selling I've ever seen in my life, or he'd been knocked loopy by the end of the match. <laughs> he was, yeah, he... He was look, wasn't looking good, but uh, I'd definitely go and watch the Ibushi J White match from Power Struggle. Cool, sounds good. A late late change. What was your what was it before that you had as the match your your matches? Oh, week? my highlight. I had um, Cody versus Darby Allen oh, before that one. That'd be good then to top that one. We're all big Darby lovers, as you know. Last week, Joel's in 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 recording change of heart that he had. I said I genuinely got up off the couch and had a little dance when Darby won, just because I was like. It's deserved. Well, it's funny when, when I was watching it, because I did the same, I, I jumped up and I was like, yes, but I said I was watching it on Zoom with John and he was like five seconds ahead of me. <laughs> oh, so we it's been ch- really... chatting and I was like, yes. And then he was like, yeah, I can find <laughs> He said, I've been trying to hold my face for the last five <laughs> seconds. I was like, I need to sort this out and get up to the... And then it was the thing when, when, when Cody like sort of knelt and handed it over again, I had like a little bit of a cry, which I'm like, I'm just, you know, I said last week, I'm just crying constantly at everything. Now. I don't know why. No, I... Uh, one of my images of the the whole sh- two of them you've already mentioned one butcher was like page in the background but my other one was the image of um, Darby lay across the car the belt across him and then the skateboard saying face of TNT and he's just passed out I thought that was a yeah, it's a good shot. That. It's a really, really good image that one. So if you've changed your mind from that, and Joe, what did you go for from Full Gear? Again, it was a difficult call, but just purely because I have loved all the other deletion matches that Matt Hardy's done, I've gone for the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara Elite Deletion match, which is I know it's not like the purest form of wrestling because they were firing fireworks at each other and there was monster trucks. But after this, the whole seriousness of the rest of the show, I think you needed that sort of levity to to just bring you up again to take you back down and also at the end of it the last sort of five minutes was some of the gruesomest sort of uh, I mean the um, the swanton off the thingy through I think are they trying to re-break Matt Hardy again <laughs> trying to fracture him into different psyches the return of Hurricane Helms the return of Gangrel the dilapidated boat made an appearance it was it was like like a, a beautiful homage to his own works which I genuinely loved I, I laughed I cried I went oof and also the nice tie back that you spotted Ellis where he concertos Sammy it's exactly the same way how Matt Hardy left WWE. It's like a shot for shot, basically. And I don't know whether that's like a big 
fuck you to them because he's been allowed to go and be creative and do his own thing but it feels like that and also now we may get that Sammy face turn that we were talking about yeah you sent us a tweet that he put out earlier on today which is quite cryptic uh, what was it? You have to go through the darkness before you see the light, or something like that. You have to be broken before you see the light, I think, doesn't it? But this week, again, he appeared on Dynamite and was very... You can tell that he's going to be forced to leave in the circle by MGF. And also, like Matt Hardy said, it's called long-term storytelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd love to see your opponent in the mud. Yeah, it was just... It was... I mean, I've, I've now this week gone back and watched the other three of them, I think there is. The first one against Jeff, there's the Bray Wyatt one, and then there's like the bizarre Halloween one where it gets very silly. They all tie together, lovely. And they're the right level of daft and camp and sort of hard that I think they should be. And for me, in a, in a very, very packed card, it was the one thing that sort of broke it up for me and made it a little bit special. For sure. Did you notice how they kind of threw back to the, the injury that Matt suffered on the last one? So just before the concerto, when he spears him out and then his head's busted, obviously the camera worked the way they did it. You didn't see how he fell, but... He went through those same, two tables. the same move that injured Matt. Like I said, and also, like, the tweets the day after, where it was like, Santana was like, there's two Puerto Ricans uh, and a vampire looking for our friend in a forest. It was, it's just, it's just fun, isn't it? It's like, it can be super serious and like, this is, you know, I told my mother that I'd, I'd die for this belt and it can also just be a superhero and a vampire fighting next to a lake. <laughs> I did pop hard for Gangrel. I, I really did. He's still out there doing it, man. He's, he's apparently he's on the indie still. Yeah, he is. Wow. Did you see uh, Reddy's tweet when she's like, uh, guys, and then she's like, this filming the fireworks going across the lawn. <laughs> but everything was in there. The chair of wheels. It was it was beautiful. The only thing that could have made it better for me is, and obviously they wouldn't be able to do it, but if there was just a silhouette of Willow in the background somewhere, or Brother Nero, because they, they all live on the same compound, don't they? Yeah. So I've just got a, I've just got a thought of like Jeff sat on his yard watching it all happen. <laughs> I wish I could play. Yeah. <laughs> if only. If only. I, I yeah that was a highlight no definitely a highlight I actually put a vote on Twitter when I was trying to make my own decision for what mine was and I put up Paige Omega Cody Darby FTR Young Bucks and Elite Deletion and Cody Darby actually got 50% of the votes it was the most popular um, Paige Omega was then next but I went for one of the lesser voted options which was FTR versus the Young Bucks just because I think Butcher talked about it and when when you did your first pod it was tag team wrestling was one of the things that got us got us into wrestling in the first place back in the day when we when we were watching it when you had the Hardys, Edge, Christian, Dudleys etc and I, I tweeted out at the time when I was watching this it was it was just a love letter for me, a love letter to legends of, of tag team wrestling. Uh, and I've gone, kind of gone back through it to try and spot the things they did. They did the uh, Steiner Bros, Shades of Steiner, FTR did that, FTR did. The, the one I popped the most for was when FTR did Meet in the Middle by DIY. But did you notice that they went, that's very similar to DIY. I think it was... Yeah. Um, was it JR? Was that JR Excalibur? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they referenced it and I was like, oh... We're allowed to do that now, are we? Yes, he did. I noticed that. And I was like, is he allowed to do that? <laughs> I wasn't sure. Um, I thought it was really good, especially when you look at all the other teams they, they paid homage to. They're all legends. Innovators. Yeah, from, from, from years gone by. They're not a recent team like DIY. So for me, that kind of felt like a thank you to them for you know helping them put them 
Like I said, no, it was, like you said, it is literally a love letter. It's 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 people who care deeply about, who will always be tag team wrestlers. FTR are, are never going to go as solos. Young Bucks are never going to go as solos. It, it, they're always going to be tag team wrestlers. And so yeah. for them to then sort of go, well, here's the entire history of tag team wrestling in one match. You're having it. Yeah. And it was, it was. Um, I think there was a heart attack in there. There's a heart attack. There's a Twister Fate Swanton that Young Bucks did, the 3D. Yeah, 3D led into the Twister Fate Swanton. <laughs> yeah. My only issue is, obviously, they were all kicking out of them all. <laughs> but I was like, I, I can let it go. I can let Not it their finishers, like you see. That's it. Not their finishers, so you don't get the full power behind it. I know. <laughs> other one that it wasn't necessarily a shout out to a particular tag team but they paid a bit of heart homage they were doing the sharpshooters but the reason that that one stood out to me again going back to the DIY thing it was it was not long after the meet in the middle and they got hit I think the young yeah the young bucks put them in the FTR in their sharpshooters but one inside the ring and one outside and the FTR were like going for each other's hands and if you if you go back to watch that two out of three falls match I'm pretty sure there's a spot in it when Champa and Gargano have got submissions in and FTR are like doing that same thing of going for each other's hands and it kind of felt like a throwback there as well to that particular match yeah I thought it was good the powerbomb at the end was a, that was brutal do you know when he just grabbed him off the, the apron oh yes and threw, threw Nick <laughs> through the table it's like yeah they had a great line from JR as well wasn't there well into the uh, medics area that's the best place to be. That's something along those lines. He can yeah, still churn out goals on pay-per-view. I'm just, I'm just, I need him every week. I imagine if you go through and break them and dissect every bit of that match, it will call back to something else. It felt very much like like a super cut of the best tag team matches of all time. Yeah. Like I said, I, I can't put a whole pay-per-view for my highlight of the week. <laughs> Wish we could. I like the ending as well. Obviously, they're all like, it's all about fists, but he lost by trying to do a flip. When he pretty much had the match won, which I no thought flips, was a good. just fists, apart from sometimes, yeah. And that's because Tully wasn't there. Also, for a big lad, that was hell of a spin, wasn't it? Yeah, Ricochet esque. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I would say better than the, the Young Bucks Page Omega match. I'd agree. And that's going some way. Yeah, I love that one. And I think to finish on that, I think, I can't remember which one of them said it, but obviously years before there'd been tweets between them, one day we'll wrestle the Young Bucks and everyone will rejoice. One day we'll wrestle FTR and everyone will rejoice. And then one of them just tweeted out, you can rejoice now. <laughs> so, yes, we can. Imagine if it was rubbish. <laughs> oh, she just went out and just, yeah, just, yeah, no. Just completely had no chemistry. <laughs> And Matt has legitimate injuries that he's just brushing off and like ligament injuries aren't in your knees aren't normally nice things. Yeah, not yeah, not something you should be poo-pooing about them, are The show must go on though, and it's it's the it's the wrestling way. But yeah, they're gonna be out for a while now. Oh no, no, because they're Top Flight next week, isn't it? Which should be a corker. Because Top Flight have been on dark, I think, up to this point, and have very much proved their worth. That leaves us with our Eddie special, really. And I, I've got to say, I, I've been looking forward to this. And I think I proposed the idea to you a couple of, couple of weeks ago. And he's somebody that I don't think if you talk to any wrestling fan that and you mention his name, you're not really going to hear bad things. And we're going to kick it off by looking back at probably the match, the one that was the pinnacle of his career in WWE, the match against Brock Lesnar at No Way Out in 2004, February 2004. It is so good. I rewatched it today, and it is brilliant. Eddie Guerrero in that match runs the whole sort of thing of human emotion it's capable to feel in, in one thing. It's it's so 
I think he's giving away like a hundred pounds, ninety pounds in in weight difference. It's amazing. I've forgotten how good it was to be honest. Because whenever I think of Brock Lesnar now, you just think of that guy with the shitty tattoo on his chest, suplexing people around the place. But the guy had moves. He did. He was a, he was a workhorse when he first started. Totally different wrestler. So he's like, about twelve years old in this as well. Looking at his face, <laughs> he looks like he's just like got a paper round and then come and done some wrestling. But he was still dominant in oh, terms of his presentation, yeah. which is what made it shocking at the time for fans watching. It goes about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's glorious from start to finish. It really it goes back and forth, and Eddie realises that he can't win by his usual method, so he starts taking the legs out. There's a beautiful bit, and I think this, is, this feeds into sort of one of the reasons why I really love Eddie Guerrero now, is that when he, he drags uh, Brock over to the ring post to, to, take, to smash his leg into the post... And he just does a sly look to camera and smiles. And it's only for a second, but it's like breaking that fourth wall. And it, it, it just it filled my heart with joy. It really did. Yeah, it was, uh, like you watched it about Butcher, you remember it from... Yeah, yeah, I watched it back. I didn't watch it uh, like at the time, first time around. It was kind of in my hiatus from watching wrestling. But I've watched it a few times since watching them back and one thing to note is just the crowd is just so invested in Eddie winning there's a bit where both on the ground like nobody moves for a good minute and you've never heard a crowd cheering people lying down so much <laughs> that when Goldberg has come in and speared them just after the Goldberg spear yeah and it is yeah they're all everyone's because he's he's F10 the referee well Eddie through the, the referee's head hasn't he and they're all just mm. laying on the floor and it is it is for a long time yeah, no, it, it, it's fun. The crowd reaction to it is fun. I had actually forgotten that Goldberg was involved in it. I had. I was like, oh. Until I rewatched it this week, I completely forgot. For good reason. <laughs> and yeah, for, and actually popular at the time. And he could still space people then. But, um, <laughs> no, it, it's fantastic. He's the complete package, isn't he? At that moment in time, he's got he's got everything. He's firing on all cylinders, isn't he, Eddie? To defeat Brock, who was clearly the company guy who was being pushed to high hell. It was just it was a great moment. And to say that the, the match from bell to bell is. It's fantastic. I, I like the fact that, because obviously the ref had been downed it, wasn't it? And then he hit the, I know he did a low blow, but then, and in, then he hit the uh, the frog splash and he's shouting the referee like t- to come and count, which is normal. But I, I just, when I watched it back, I thought when you think of like the Eddie matches taking advantage, the referee being down and waiting for the referee to get up to get the other person disqualified, like him hitting a legitimate finisher yeah. and being like, come on, count, count, count. I thought that was like a nice little... Nice little thing. It just, might just be me that. But I was watching, I was thinking, okay. You know, he's... No, because just before that, I think he DDTs Brock Lesnar onto the belt. So so it's still a little bit cheeky. Which he's got to do. But he didn't bring the belt in. He tries to hit Brock with the title. No, the Brock, Brock brings it in. And the Brock tries to, he ducks underneath it. He tries to, I think, get him up again for another, another spin. And he puts it into a, a spinning DDT. Drops him on his head, frog splashes yeah. him. But that's what I'm saying. It's that good that this is just all these little. Because Eddie Guerrero, I lie, I cheat, I steal. Yeah. Tried to legitimately win it by legitimate means. He didn't bring the belt in. If the belt's there and someone falls on it, it's not my fault. <laughs> but I'm going to use it to my advantage. Reading back about it, because like, again, I was on my hiatus then as well. So I, I watched it back, but I wasn't watching it at the time. And a lot of people like really paved the way for guys like him. 
And I was like, you know what? I hear this a lot. I hear oh, CM Punk paved the way or Daniel Bryan paved the way. So what I, I, I went and had a look from when he won it in 2004, going back, who the previous champions were. Um, and between 99, September 1999, do you know who the champion was on the 14th of September 1999? Is this Ellis's big question? I still haven't got a jingle for that. I, I will work on that. I will, I will give you a jingle. Held the title for one week and then... Uh, vacated the title oh I'm, is it some is it come on is it McMahon yeah Vince McMahon <laughs> yeah so be- between that 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 little joke title reign like your champions and it is true you know he did kind of pave the way that the champions between Eddie winning it and Vince in 99 we said Triple H Big Show Rock Stone Cold Undertaker Hollywood Hogan, Brock, and then the only two that you could maybe say were kind of similar issue had Jericho with one and Kurt Angle. He he won it four times. He obviously technical masterclass, but he he really did help pave the way for showing that someone like him, who's five foot eight, and I mean he was still jacked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not calling him small. <laughs> Hadn't he just come off? He'd he'd been fired for DUI and only recently just rehired. I think he'd come back in... Yeah. Been a... I'm sure it was around this point. He was sent to rehab in May 2001, and then he was gone for a good a good couple of years, and then he, he came back. I think he was he was in a tag team with Chavo, and Chavo got injured, and that kind of led the way for him kind of going on this singles run. And I think when Chavo came back from injury, he turned heel on Eddie, out of jealousy of what Eddie was That's doing. Sounds about so it was right. kind of some... You know, some for, for, fortunate turn of circumstance. Well, not for Jabo, for Freddie. But yeah, May two thousand and one, he he went to rehab. What I didn't realise, and I was when I was kind of looking at what he did in between the time, because again, I was on the hiatus. So when I watched back, I was just watching the WWE stuff. I didn't realise he basically kickstarted Ring of Honor. Like, I don't hear that that talked about. Apparently, he was on the the, the original shows and. He, he helped put the eyes on the show and that was the platform he used to kind of springboard himself back into attention but it put the eyes on Ring of Honor and people are like if he hadn't done that it might not have even got I, going yeah I've gone where it I did I did not yeah. know that I, I knew he was involved early on I can't I don't, I don't I can't remember if he was ever on the if he was on the first show but uh, yeah he was definitely involved early on I don't think he held the title but no but if you've started a new company and you've got Eddie Guerrero arrested for you people mm. are going to watch yeah, especially at that point yeah. Oh, right, well, that's, well, that's, yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, so he went around doing all the indies just because he, he was lacking in confidence in himself and just wanted to show he could do it. And then, obviously, the company started, so he got involved. And... How do you mean Eddie Guerrero and lacking in confidence? I know. <laughs> Blows your mind. It always surprised me when, when, like, you listen to him talking just in, like, a normal interview. And, like, he's, he's so, like, softly spoken and really quiet. When, when he's just talking in a normal interview and it's just like obviously I said I was never really sort of, I only sort of fully became aware of him after he died I mean I was watching wrestling when he came over from WCW with was it the New Radicals with a Z because it was the 90s <laughs> Dean Malenko and Dean Malenko Perry Saturn Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero there will be mentioning of Chris Benoit because the, the stories are sort of interlinked uh, I don't see how you can talk about that period in wrestling without mentioning Chris Benoit. It seems a shame that he sort of gets pushed under the... What he did was a terrible thing, but to not acknowledge that seems wrong to me. That's that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go back to doing fart jokes now. 
of all the ones that came over, I liked Dean Malenko the most because it was the Man of a Thousand Holes thing and Eddie Guerrero was sort of always there and he seemed to be more of a comedy foil for stuff. And at that point, I was like, mm, I don't really, really like this. But then when he came back in the sort of 2004, that sort of run, it was... He was still doing comedy bits. He was still coming in a low rider. He was still... But he, he just seemed to have grown into his, into his skin more, if that makes sense. Yeah. He, he, he felt... Like he didn't have to hide behind the comedy. His his work spoke for itself. Saying that the the light cheat steel segments with Chavo, like I've watched a couple of them this week. There, they're golden. They're absolutely super. <laughs> Going around knocking in old people's houses, like trying to sell them stuff. It's like stealing stuff from the house. And Chavo's like, he's like, why have you got a diaper? And Chavo's like, well, you stole everything else. I had to get something. <laughs> it's just like. Well, there was the weird run he sort of had with China as well. Latino Heat. Latino Heat. Mamacita. Yeah. If, like, if it wasn't for him, I don't think the wrestling world would be the same now. I think, especially what, having watched the the Raw, I think it was, that went out, or it might have been SmackDown that went out after he had died. Yeah, it's heartbreaking because it's not fake. It's like there's genuine tears. I, I, what everyone has said, he was a genuine locker room guy. He'd, he'd come and help you. He'd say, like, you need to come and like try doing it this way, sort of stuff. But was funny with it, non-condescending. And, a, a, you know, someone who, who lived and breathed the sport of wrestling. And when you cut, when you, you they pan round the, the, the amassed wrestlers that are there, they're genuinely in tears because they've lost, I guess, one of theirs. Batista kicks off that show and he's he's broken like you can you can see him and he's like he, he says at one point I don't even know if I'm the right person to be out here talking about Eddie and he just kind of feels like so inadequate and you can see it and he's just crying and it's like seeing seeing grown ass men who are your superheroes showing that was was amazing yeah. and then he lays I think he drives down he, he does drive down to the ring in the low rider Batista because they, they were they in a tag team they used to come down together in it or they're at least friends and they came down in it and at the end Batista's a world champion at the time and he, he lays the belt and his sunglasses on the car and that stays there for the whole show and I thought you know that was a that was a lovely touch I mean there's even a, a, a video back not a video, it's like they all do little sit down bits some of them in the back and they're all crying in that you've even got Vince McMahon crying on it but not like your fake tears you can see he's genuine and what all of them say and it's the bit that makes Vince cry said what all of them say is he loves his family. You know, obviously the the, the the locker room and all that was his family, but his family, Vicky and the, and the kids, you know, were everything to him, and you could see that. I I also watched back the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you've ever watched when he's inducted. Right, if you if, you, if you're ever struggling for a little cry, go and watch that. It's um he it's. It's the year after. So. Joe never struggles for a cry. <laughs> I know. He'll be crying for days on this one. It's like knock after knock. So it's like, obviously there's fans there and it's the, it's the year after that he gets inducted. And it's, it is Chavo, Chris Benoit and Rey Mysterio all do a little bit to induct him. And Rey is wearing this outlandish suit he's got his luchamador mask on obviously he's got this white pinstripe suit but the blazer's like down to nearly on his knees and you're like what is he wearing and when he does his speech he's like i'm privileged to have known eddie privileged to be part of his family i'm privileged to be wearing this suit which eddie bought me <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's genuinely lovely and, and chavo does a bit when you're saying about like you know the, the, the guy's crying chavo says about the person that he is, that there was one time he was down about something. He can't remember what it was. He said, but he was down and Chavo was crying. And Eddie came over to him and Chavo was like, no, no, I'm sorry, like, I shouldn't cry. I shouldn't be crying about this. And Eddie went, dude, it's, it's okay for men to cry. 
and you know at this point you know, 20 years ago whenever this happened like that that isn't something you would you would hear about and he was just there for people and then Vicky comes out and accepts it and that's it then oh you're gone if you haven't cried but if you haven't cried by that point you're, <laughs> you're completely gone you're gonna set me you're gonna set me off here <laughs> But it shows you the impact there is. And you know, one of the things I kind of was doing rather than looking at specific matches, and that, I mean, there are some I picked out, but looking at people who, who talk about what they've said about him, like JBL said he <laughs> he would never have been a world champion if it wasn't for Eddie. Eddie put JBL over because uh, he, he was failing, I think, because his character when he came back as like the tycoon businessman. Yeah, it was a shitty gimmick. It took me years, you know, when I was doing my hiatus and I was watching that. Probably took me about six months before I realised that that was that was Bradshaw from. Yeah, yeah. I think the commentator mentioned yeah, it. I didn't realise for a long time. <laughs> but he he got massively like fans hated him, but it was because of Eddie that they did. And he, he said in an interview that Eddie was ringing him, going, "Right, you need to come down to the border, and we're going to kick some immigrants over the border, and then you're going to come to my uh, my family's party. Uh, we're having a deal, and you're going to clothesline my mother, who's seventy four. <laughs> and Jimmy was like, I can't do this." <laughs> This is horrendous, but and he was like, "No, no, let's do it." And there were riots. JBL said there were riots at the shows. He had to be escorted <laughs> out of shows through fear. So there is, um, there's a couple of packages on the network that I've, I've watched as well, and JBL does feature prominently in them. And it, it is that thing of just you can tell the way that everyone talks about him. There was a genuine love for him. Yeah, and it come, comes through on that SmackDown show that you that you mentioned. But like even Cena, I didn't realize that you know he, he kind of took Cena aside and helped teach him the ropes. They used to like wrestle on the road in like South Africa when they were abroad and they did like a 25-minute match and Guerrero took him aside and they did a full breakdown of not just what Cena did, but Eddie was like, well, when I did this, I did this because the crowd were doing this and I wanted him to make him feel like this. And he was, he was teaching him the ropes and that and just shows you, again, the person he was. But even to this day, when I was watching Full Gear, I was like, oh, it's like MJF knows that we're about to do an <laughs> Eddie Guerrero special. Because people do it to this day, and that, that was his thing. No one can top how he did it. But. That genuinely made me sort of smile when he just he just dropped, literally just he proper proper arms splayed out Eddie Guerrero style. I was, it was it was lovely. And it was nice because it was in a Jericho match as well. Who obviously had you know a lot of mm. a lot of connections with him. But even to this day, I was just going going through people. Uh, Bailey has based her whole heel persona on Eddie. She said when she used to watch Eddie as a heel and she said if I was ever if I'm ever a heel I want to be like that because you don't see just miserable heels these days said so he used to come out he was like dripping wet and he was just miserable like his face was just miserable so you don't see that these days and that was what she based her her character currently on on Eddie Peyton Royce she credits Eddie Roy- Eddie for getting into it and she said, you know, his death was really, really broke her. And she, she learned Spanish because of him uh, as, a, as a kid. And uh, so that's the reason. And obviously, I think probably the biggest one, because she's always making sure his, his name is around is Sasha. Yeah. And that match we talked about against Brock, Sasha, when she had a, might have been her first WrestleMania, I think she wore gear that resembled that. But what I didn't realise is Peyton also. Peyton Royce, when they won the tag team titles, wore gear that resembled that as well. It's a bit more subtle. But yeah, obviously Sasha does that. She does a frog splash. Uh, and apparently, really sadly, she was going to the SmackDown that Eddie was meant to be on. Oh, but then he died Christ. and she was going to go see a hero. I read that this morning, this morning. I was like, oh, no, I don't need this. <laughs> I'm going to have to rename this just like three men crying, aren't we, really? Yeah. But... <laughs> I've not said a word for about five minutes. I'm just sat here listening and being sad. 
She said uh, Vicky Guerrero gave her some of Eddie's old tights to the dump. Yeah, she said she had a prized possession and said Vicky will never know what they mean to her. And what was nice, she said when she does signings for fans, when you're allowed to do (laughs) signings for fans, she said like young fans who would would not have been around when Eddie was there, bring her pictures of Eddie for her to sign. And I'm like, that's that's how his legacy is going to keep going on because people like her, MJF doing that and other wrestlers doing stuff, they keep his name alive because people are like, oh, because the commentators make reference to it don't they yeah, yeah always like, oh, yeah. what's that but should I let you speak now what, what your, <laughs> sorry sorry your memories of it <laughs> <laughs> I've been enjoying listening. It's been lovely. <laughs> no, it's interesting uh, thinking as you've like mentioned Ring of Honor. Like I don't, I don't really put that together before that you think of that Ring of Honor indie style that's so popular now in as well in NXT of like the undisputed era guys and Gargano and Champa and all them. It's essentially Guerrero style, the style he made popular. It was really fast paced, all around technical ability. It wasn't quite the lucha style. It was a bit more Americanized in a lot of ways. If it wasn't for him, then would that style ever be the the style that the Indies took under uh, took under their wing and carried on with? I hadn't never thought of that. But um, yeah, as far as memories are concerned, I think one of my favorites. You've already mentioned it, Joe. Was when they first turned up on WWE. That was so cool because, like, I've mentioned in previous pods that. I grew up, my younger years were watching WCW. And then these four guys showed up who just a couple, it's just a couple of weeks. Like this is pre like um, no working clauses. Like it's literally two weeks between them. I think it's two weeks between them being on Nitro and that turn up on Raw. Like I'm, I'm not on the internet looking up all the rumours and things in these days. That wasn't something you did then. And all of a sudden these four guys you've seen WCW every week are sat in the crowd at Raw. Like that was mind blowing as a, to a, well, was it, would it have been then like 11 or 12 year old kid? It was so cool and excited, and then they jumped the barrier. and I can't even remember who it is. Is, is it Al Snow? I couldn't tell you. Um, they're there as guests of Al Snow, isn't it? But he's he's teaming with some. Anyway, they, they beat people up, and like Eddie hits the, the frog splash. And I don't know, just seeing him doing it on WWF TV was it, it was just like the coolest thing as a kid. Like the, these guys you've been watching for weeks. It was that, that first sort of cross promotional thing done the other way because Nash and Scott Hall, Scott Hall yeah. sorry in the NWO revenge game we renamed him Where's Me Toothpick and I can never yeah, I can never unsee that in my <laughs> head now yeah they went the other way didn't they and they but it went that went on for that went on forever yeah and it, it wasn't like it was like Nash and Hall like and Hogan these are and loads of others Bret Hart everyone these were like old guys getting towards the end of their career they'd done it and the WCW bit wasn't the best part of their career but these these four come in these are young hungry guys who well, I say instead of it being like a, a, a three month build up to them doing something because yeah Hall and Nash just hung around for ages first the first time you were like oh hang on there's those guys from WCW oh and now they're beating people up wow well this is better isn't it there's not weeks and weeks of will they yeah, won't they they're just exciting, like no we are going it, to you know? and this is what we do now yeah it, it was it was so cool I remember like vividly remember watching that episode of Raw I have it's yeah it's it's sort of burnt into my brain because of you had never seen it the other way around before I remember a lot of people leaving for WCW like but well, that's when the invasion that was the start of the started, invasion really yeah. Ooh, yeah but that, that went bad quickly though didn't <laughs> well yeah, this is obviously a long time before the proper like the invasion but that was the real invasion to me that 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 was cool like those four turning up uh, and they, they were like it, it, it's the equivalent of WWE stars going to AEW now uh, AEW now that they were underused 
people in WCW that you wanted to yeah, see more of. Definitely. And to get them to sit, like have that chance was it was great. Have you have you seen the? Um, I've not actually seen that debut. I'm I'm, I'm going to watch that tonight after this recording. I don't I don't remember. <laughs> it's really it's really bugging me who else is in the match. I remember Al Snow, Al Snow and Steve Blackman. Oh, involved. I can't remember who it is. The face. The WrestleMania match he had with Kurt. That was just like I think it was WrestleMania 20. So just after. I've not watched it for a yes, while. Yeah, just, just after he beat Brock, and they just put on, as you'd expect from them to, just an absolute technical masterclass. But it's the one where he he's in the ankle lock, he breaks it up. I think he 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 throws Kurt out of the ring, and then he he undoes his boot, and then allows Kurt to put the ankle lock yes. back on, kicks the boot off, and then small small packages him into a win. But then puts his feet on the rope as he does a small package. I was like, oh, you just got it all there, all the all the classic Eddie bits there, bit of cheekiness. But yeah, that's a, that's an awesome match and again we said since Joe said it's hard not to mention the two there's a really nice moment at that point at the end of that Wrestlemania where uh, Benoit also wins the title and it's not planned but like Benoit's up on the rope celebrating as you do and he turns around and, and Eddie's just there in the ring with his title and then they just hug and there's confetti falling down upon them and it's a shame that that, that kind of stuff you know is, is kind of expunged won't get yeah won't get seen anymore um, would it? you like to know um, I'll tell you it was January January the 31st 2000 on Raw. So write that down because you're looking that up later. Uh, they were invited as guests of Mick Foley. Oh, okay. Um, and it was a match between um, Al Snow and Steve Blackman versus the New Age Outlaws. New Age Outlaws, yes, it was. So, yeah, yeah, yeah they interfere in the match and oh. all hell breaks loose from then on. If I remember, uh, there's some god awful outfits, isn't there, from them, particularly Perry Saturn. I think they were going with like Cosmic Wizard Perry Saturn because he's got the planet in his name. Let's, let's run with that and. <laughs> didn't they kind of follow each other? I don't know about Perry Saturn, but didn't like Malenko, uh, Guerrero, and Benoit kind of follow each other around because they kind of they were in ECW, weren't they? And then they kind of went to WCW at the same time, and then obviously came across to WWE. Yeah, I think I didn't, I didn't realize he'd been in ECW. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I think Perry Saturn joined the little group in ECW. Um, I, I think, but yeah, like you say, I think they've been following each other around before that. The three of them. But yeah, that, that, they're my main memories of him, really. No one match is standing out, but like those early WCW, like we watched, um, I missed the episode, didn't I, where we went back and looked at Halloween Havoc. Like that's the sort of era I know him better of, really. I, I, I don't know the, the, the world champion era other than like going back watching the classics like this. But even then, like with the Halloween Havoc one, you can see that he's special. Everything he does, he's, he's got so much snap to it and it's also smooth and he's such an all-rounder. He's got the technical ability, but he can brawl as well. He can fly, he can and talk on the microphone. He, he he could not talk on the microphone and still lose charisma. He's got everything, hasn't he? There's very few people in the history of wrestling that's the complete package like he was. Said in that Halloween Havoc match, even though he's supposed to be a heel, people can't help but love him. Mm. Just because it's just it, it's it is. And I mean, comparable to anyone that's passed, anyone anyone that's that's come through since since him, has had that all round capability of being excellent in ring, everything like you said, from brawling to throws to high flying to submissions, uh, mic skills, promo skills, like the weird vignettes they used to do. Is there anyone that ties all that in with such ease that makes it seem so natural? So, like, that's the thing we've seen before. Like, he had a crisis of confidence. How? <laughs> I guess if you're that good, and yeah. I remember watching um, 
I think it's a documentary about CM Punk. And during that time he was on the Indies, I think they wrestled each other. I think it was CM Certainly it was. And on it, he says, I thought I was the best. And then I wrestled Eddie Guerrero. And I had no idea how good a wrestler should be until I wrestled Eddie Guerrero. And it, like that completely changed his approach to wrestling after that as well. But also not afraid to put other people over. No, like I said, JBL before, but he did it with... Countless, countless other people. Like you mentioned, like Raw, like it was SmackDown's what he's like probably the most synonymous with. And obviously, I think was was Paul Heyman booking ECW at the time when when he was was there. Yeah, the I would 90s. assume so. Yeah. And then I think they did the, they did the brand split. I don't know if it's the first time they'd done the brand split. I think it was, and Heyman got SmackDown. And obviously, Raw was your extravagant show, and Heyman ended up with the as they called it the SmackDown Six, and he had Edge, Rey Mysterio, Kurt, Benoit, and Eddie and. And he was like, right, we're going to be the wrestling show. We're going to be the show that goes out and puts on banging matches. And when I was trying to look back at like, because I'm a bit like you, I like, don't have standout matches. I, I more remember him rather than certain matches. And when I was looking through top five, the top ten lists of matches, I was like, no wonder I've not seen him because loads of them are from SmackDown. Yeah. So like when I did my, my watch parts, I was watching pay-per-views and like, I'm your daddy and the rock latch and the match with Kurt. But he has this ladder match with Edge, just on a SmackDown. No, not a ladder match, sorry, an ODQ match with Edge. Just just a random match in SmackDown. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, it was from 26th of September 2002. And it's what I sent you the uh, gif of before. Ooh, that powerbomb off the ladder. It is a sunset flip powerbomb. But it's like, I'll put when we post the pod, I'll put that gif on. It's like the technique on it. Like when you watch it, he, he flips over the ladder over Edge. But then he like just literally pauses in midair. <laughs> His body just sucks in it. It is a weird, like, damn, damn, a weird damn. cartoony Wiley Coyote moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's just crazy. And he had so many good TV matches. I think all all of them at the time, Kurt Angle, I know, was especially motivated by it. We're all like, we're gonna we're gonna best Raw by being the wrestling brand, and he was a major player in that. And now who's laughing? <laughs> Indeed. That's our uh, kind of tribute to Eddie. I don't think anyone can do him justice, but just some of our memories of him, and he'll, he'll never be he'll never be forgotten. So I, I enjoyed that. I must say, enjoyed looking back, and you've given me things to go and watch now as well, which I'm which I'm definitely going to do. So thanks for them. Next week we've uh, got a, another special, really. Probably not with the same emotional gravitas as this one, but we've got some other series coming up. So we'll be doing our predictions there and chance for the uh, table to change again. I got a clean sweep last week, but only one result that both of you got wrong. So, I mean, if the fantasy booking had been for Dynamite, I think you tweeted out much about Pac's going to appear tonight, isn't he? I said Pac would be back. I thought he would do it at Dynamite. I'm assuming he got held up at Customs because he was wearing his trunks, (laughs) as is now canon. Pack always dresses like he's going into the ring. I was very surprised that my Brody Lee fantasy booking didn't come right. I was shocked that that didn't happen, but... True, so we'll be looking at uh, Survivor Series and the predictions, but the, the special really will be as WWE are promoting to hell. It's 30 years of The Undertaker, so do our little tidbits on, on The Undertaker and memories of him. Hopefully he doesn't try and wrestle at Survivor Series. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping he just comes out and they all like wave at him or something. Or... <laughs> wave I don't know. Did you say you watched this Paul... Oh, yeah. If you do get chance and you have the network, watch the documentary about the life and death of Paul Bearer because I always loved Paul Bearer. For me, he was the highlight of The Undertaker's early sort of bits. 
because you had a man who couldn't really cut promos at that point, and he's a big, tall, doofus-looking guy, and he's a roasting pig. And then you've just got this maniacally camp guy. I'm going to put him in. And it, it's just this really good juxtaposition of dark and somber with ridiculousness. But it's it's his whole life and all the stuff of him as Percy Pringle back in like Smoky Mountain Wrestling and all this sort of stuff. And it's 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 really really nice. And again, you get a lot of interviews with people saying he was he he lived and breathed it. This was his family. This is what he loved doing. And like towards the end of his life, it gets very very sad. And I, again, the Hall of Fame thing, I did have a cry <laughs> because why not? It's just un, un, the Undertaker's like I don't do the Hall of Fame ceremonies. I've never done them. But he was my friend, and I'm like, <laughs> it is. It's well worth watching. A lot of the other Undertaker stuff I've not been that bothered with because they did the Last Ride series, which I think is everything you need to know. They did a classic yeah. match thing, and it's him and the Ultimate Warrior. The first match out, it's him and the Ultimate Warrior trying to put you through a body bag, and it's a mess. But he's doing a Broken Skull session part two, isn't he, with Steve Austin? That is first one. I've never watched it, but apparently the first one made a lot of waves. It was, a, it was, it was what caused the AJ Styles match, wasn't it? But apparently they're doing that. Uh, BT Sport over here in the UK are doing a whole week next week as well. I think I might be wrong. I know they're showing the Broken Schools. They may well be showing the Paul Bearer documentary as well. I would have to double check that, but I know they're showing some of these stuff that is on the network as a as a tribute as well. So that'll be that'll be next week's looking at. So thank you for listening, and hopefully you enjoyed. We'll see you next time. If you want to send in your favorite Undertaker moments or your suggestions for Survivor Series, you can email us at damnitvincepod at gmail, or you can send us message direct messages on Twitter, Instagram at damnitvincepod, or there is the option if you want to of leaving voice notes for us. We will play them. It fills up time. Uh, until next week, see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.